Welcome to the Dream Centre Manchester, where we trust the ministry of Pastor Tony Higginson and the team will challenge and inspire you to become the move and be the demonstration. We warmly invite you each Sunday morning to join us for our family service, but for more information or to subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at thedreamcentre.co.uk. You know, we sang a song, I on the Mountain, this morning. I on the Mountain, you know that one, yeah? And as I stand and look, as I stand on our mountain, I look out into the 219. You've got to get your, your mind round 219 rather than 218. I see a future for us. And it's a future of challenges because there's no such thing as a future plain sailing. You've got to be honest and realistic with yourself and say the future, though it's exciting, it's full of challenges. And, uh, and in those challenges, there is great need. With every challenge, there's need. And with every challenge, there is lack. Now, I want to come back to what I started before Christmas and say, well, it's a long time ago. I've drank a lot of a sherry since then. Well... And they've eaten a lot of mince pies. Well, okay, let's move, let's move away gluttony for a second. <laughs> and uh, let's get back to what we started about this whole thing of, I believe God was showing me the principle of, I work by lack, not just your need. I'm a God who deals with lack. And I'm going to get into this more and more. Many were away when I started to talk about this, but it's such a powerful message that... I'm glad you're alive in the new year to hear it. Uh, you know, when you were lost, when you were born, you were born lost. You were born, you may have been born loved by those who were giving birth to you, but you're born lost. That child inside Mary's, I say Mary affectionately, inside Mary is lost. Though it's got a mother, though it's got... It's loved by mum. It's lost until it finds Jesus. It's he, she, they. Until it finds Christ, the baby's lost. But it's loved. So loved and lost are still connected. They're still part of the same thing. You're loved though you came in the world. Even though you didn't feel loved, you were loved by God. You're loved... Well, if I'm loved, how come I'm lost? That's a different issue. Different things get in the way there. So the very, the very fact that when you were born, you were born with need. You were born with a need for salvation. Now, you have, you have instant needs. You need to be fed. You need to be loved. You need to be clothed. You need to be kept warm. You need consistency so that the baby can grow and get stronger. Blah, 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 blah. But the one overriding need is the baby still is lost. Can you see this? Now, we don't deal with the need of salvation until later on in life. But because we we see the urgent needs of raising a child now as primary in our life. But there's always this ongoing need in the child's life, the need for salvation. So what happens is God then has to uh, send somebody to either pray for that child, to witness to that person, that now 
adult or whatever, witness to that child, pray for that child until that need has been met. And reconciliation has then come to that individual's life. There's going to come a point in Emma's child's life where reconciliation has to come to that child's life between that child and God Almighty. Even though the child's fed, it's got its needs, local needs, instantaneous needs are all being met. It still has this ongoing need to to know Jesus Christ and be reconciled. How many of you would agree with that? So you're born with that need, but you're born with many other types of needs. We know that. But that need of salvation is something that drives somebody to pray for that child. And witness to that child and be consistent with that child. Because they see the importance and the severity of that need. You see that? So, but once you've become, once that individual has been reconciled to Christ. All the provision that child needs, or that adult needs, has been met. In Christ, all the provision you ever will need has been met. How many of you agree with that? In Christ, all the provisions. Right, but do you still have needs? Right. So, this is a very important principle. Let's get this this early in so that you know what I mean. So that all the provision is there, but you still have need. Right. So the problem really isn't need because the provision's there. So now God deals with a different issue. God now deals because God's so confident that all your needs are met in Christ. And the provision is already there. So God's not searching around for what you need. It's already there. He wants to speak it and it's there. Right? So God deals with what you lack. Not what you need. Because what you need is not, of, is not of a major importance because all the provision has been met. God's working from fulfillment. He's working from resource. He's working from abundance. But you don't see that and understand that. So God uses your need to show you what you really lack. And here is a step into the world where I believe this year you will still have many needs. If you don't see that God has already met all your needs and the provision is already there, you will always worry about there not being provision for you. And you'll miss the secret of the kingdom. So, Matthew 6.31, I started with this. Once you step into the kingdom, the kingdom is the first priority of your life. God's kingdom, now you've stepped into salvation, you've been reconciled with God, you're you're now a born again believer, you've now got the imperishable seed, Your first priority is the kingdom. Good morning, church. The kingdom. The kingdom. Because everything about God is is all encompassed in the kingdom. Everything. 
You, you're still looking for your, for your relationships. You're still looking for this. You're still looking for that. And God's saying, can you not get on the issue of the kingdom? Because in Matthew 6, 31, this is what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. For all these things shall be added unto you. Now we said last time I spoke about this, the context of this scripture is relating to pagans. And how the pagans were living. You're not meant to be a pagan. You're meant to be a believer. Now, what were the pagans doing? They were worrying about what they were going to eat. What they were going to eat. They were chasing after those things, what they were going to wear. They were worrying about where they were going to live. They were chasing the material, temporal, earthly things. And what Jesus was saying is, that's not the pattern for the church. That's not how I want you to live by. If, listen, if John's a pagan and Kath is a Christian and John does, John does, I should say, Kath does everything that John does to get her needs met, then who, what's the difference? You're not a Christian. If you, if she goes about her life the same way he goes about his life, now I'm not talking about work and paying tax, that's, that's a given. But if she worries and strives and stresses the same way he does to get what she's got and he's got, then why do I need to be like her? And this is what Matthew chapter 6 was teaching us about. That there's one pattern of lifestyle, but here's another pattern of lifestyle. They don't work from provision. They just work from need. The pagans work from lack, they work from need, and they work from stress and striving. You might know it as another term called the rat race. Where over here, if you put the kingdom first and as a priority, then something supernatural, fundamental changes. You still have to go to work. You still have to pay tax. You still have to obey the laws of the land. Nothing changes in that sense. But... The stress and the striving and the, the pushing and the worrying and the concern should not be in these people. Because if God finds his church like them, then he hasn't got a church. He's just got a load of people who worry, gather, oh, sorry, who gather in his name and worry like mad. And that's the point he's saying. And he's saying in the midst of this, in Matthew 6, is seek first the kingdom. Because the kingdom is the ultimate difference. It's the ultimate difference. It's the, it's the game changer. If my people live like the pagans, then there's something wrong with my people. Then my word is not appealing to them. And therefore, I can't manifest myself through these people because I manifest myself through the word in the people. Can you see this? So it's so important that we do not live like everybody else. We're not saying we're better. We're different. That's the slogan on our floor. Welcome to a church with a difference. What's the difference? The people. But if the people are just, as, are just as filled with anger, frustration, envy, striving, bitterness, as everybody else is outside, then don't you dare open your mouth and call yourself a Christian. 
There's got to be something different about you. I say different, not better. So, God sees this and he says, look, the kingdom has got all the resources you will ever need. And then he uses the illustration, look at the birds. Look at your heavenly father, how he provides for the birds. You don't see the birds arguing and screaming. Um, Well, they do flap, but not in that sense. The birds are content. They use God's already provided nature for the birds. And then he says, look at the lilies of the field. And he's using the illustration of nature, how God has provided everything for nature. And nature feeds off nature. And it's, it's, the, it's the, the, we call it the food cycle, the food chain. But everything God has provided for the next animal. Now, that's not the picture for you. Because that's the dog-eat-dog world. That's the law of the jungle. That's why the world works. Yes? Though that's the site, that's the, that's the, um, the design of the designer. That's not the principle God wants you to work by. What God's saying is, look, I can provide for the creation. I can provide for the animals. But for you, I provide through the kingdom. The kingdom is your paymaster. The kingdom is what you, if you make it first, then all the things that everyone chases around for comes to you through a different route. Rather than through strife. They can lose everything tomorrow. But with you, if you put the kingdom first, all that is needed will come to you. You still have to work. You still have to pay taxes. You still have to obey the law. But... I will not fear when bad news or trouble comes near me. They may close my department down, but find a place for me. Because the kingdom is supplying my every need. I've witnessed this. Many of you have. Close my whole department down and yet select me. Am I better than everybody else? You bet you are. No, I'm not. I wasn't better than, than all my other guys. But guess what? God... Because I put God's kingdom first, he put me first. He made a way where there was no way. So we see that the kingdom is the key to all your needs being met. But though all your needs have already been met, yes, tomorrow's need has already been met. Next year's need has already been met. It's there. It's not a problem. It's already there. It's in the bank. God uses your need Because it's something about your need that God realizes that there's a door to your life. That through your need, God can come through. And when God deals with your need, he actually doesn't deal with the need head on. He deals with the lack. And as you deal with the lack, the need gets met. And it's your lack that's holding your need back. It's your lack what's holding your need back. Now you think, this is the same word. No, it's not. These are interchangeable. And last time I spoke, I gave you a breakdown of the, what these two words mean. I'm not going back there again because for time's sake. So Colossians chapter 1, let's go there. Let me show you some scriptures that might put a smile on your face. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 24. And I'm going to go the long way around. 
so we can go deep. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. And when was the last time someone said that to you? Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. In other words, you had need and somebody suffered for your need. Watch this. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. In, in other words, need. Somebody suffered for your need. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. So there's some things, that, though the needs have been met, there is still things still lacking. Right? For the sake of his body, which is the church. So let me read that in context. Now, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now, because your need and your lack, because you have need and you have lack, God has to supply. And how God supplies, very often, God supplies people. Because not every need is physical. Right? When we say need, don't just think about money. You have more needs than you think. And you have more lack than you've ever thought about. So when we think of needs, we always think, well, I need money. Well, that's only one. But there are many needs that you have. But God has sent people in the body of Christ to supply what you lack. This is why being part of a local church is such a critical thing. Because so many people think come to church because of what they've got needs. But no. God deals with what you lack. And en route to what you lack, your needs are met. If you can deal with the lack. I said if you can deal with the lack, the need will be met. But you can have a need met, but still have lack. That's so good, it's worth writing down. You can have need, a need met, but still have lack in your life. But if God can deal with the lack in your life, the need will be met. In that area. Yeah? So, I became its servant by commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So the fullness of God's word being released to us brings all that we need and ministers to all that we lack. The word of God in its fullness. Not your self-help gospel. Not your get happy Gospel, not you get rich gospel, but the word in its fullness. Hello? The word has to come in its fullness so that needs and lack are dealt with and maturity is, is developed. The mystery, where are we at? Between, uh, where are we at? What verse are we at now? Verse 25 I became its servant by commission, God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So God supplies the revelation, the knowledge, the grace, the truth to your life so that you will not be impoverished. Impoverished. Can't say it. Impoverished. All right. Impoverished. There's nothing worse than seeing a group of Christians impoverished. Impoverished. Can't say it. Skint. 
skint, impoverished. Just to let you know, these are my teeth, and I can say it. Impoverished. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. So there is a mystery, there's a wisdom, there's a revelation, there's a grace, there's a truth, there's a knowledge being released to you so that your needs and your lack can be dealt with in this time, in this generation. But it comes through, it comes through the word in its fullness and it comes through men who have a commission to speak the word of truth in its fullness. Some men stand, the thought came to me this morning, it's your first day back, Tony, it's your first day back after drinking your sherry and eating your mince pies. And the people expect you to get up and say something because it's your role. So you can get up there and you can say something because people expect you to say something or you can get up there and have something to say. So which one do you think I'm going to go for? Right. Something to say. So God says, why don't you tell them what I've been telling you? Right. That's a good place to start. Why don't you keep telling them what, I'm tell- what I keep telling you? Right. Because if I'm telling you, I'm telling you to tell them. And in that, I get instructed as well. So it's best to hear what God's saying, not rather than what the preacher's got to say. So let's pick it up. Verse 27. To them, God has chosen to make known amongst the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is in Christ, which is Christ in you. Oh, hang on. So now the riches are going from Christ to the Christ in you. The supply is going from Christ to the Christ in you. Can you see the, trans- the transition? So now he's putting heaven inside of you. Which is the hope and the glory. We proclaim him. This is how we get the provisions of God to the people of God. By we proclaim him. Admonishing him. Teaching everyone with all wisdom. Where does this wisdom come from? This wisdom comes from heaven. Wisdom is a need on this earth. But it's, sadly it's not a value. Said to the father-in-law only the other day in the car. Said Jack do you know what? I said, there's one thing missing from this world. What's that? I said, there's no demand for wisdom anymore. There is no demand for wisdom. Uncle Google supplies everything. Uncle Google didn't get it right. Uncle Google is spelt Google, not God. Yeah? Google is not God. There's one who knows more than Google. Google can be unplugged. God can't. Google can be shut down. God can't. Google will fade away. God won't. Trust God, not Google. Does that make sense? To them, God has chosen to make... To them, I'm one of them. You're one of them. God has chosen to make known, the Gentiles, the glorious riches of the mystery. Which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonish him, teaching everyone with all wisdom. So that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. This is my commission. This is my challenge. This is my labour. This is my work. And you're my headache. I say that affectionately. 
Why? Because my challenge is to present you. Our job as the elders, our role, our function, is to present you. Present you. Because God's going to turn around to me, and he's going to turn around to Phil and Paul, and the, and the wives, and they're going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? I'm going to say, well, Lord, they kicked like mad. I didn't ask what they did. I asked you what you did. Well, Lord, they complained, so I didn't preach as intense. I didn't ask you how they responded. I asked you, what did you do? He only wants to hear, here they are. I labored for them. I prayed for them. I convinced them. I encouraged them. I cried for them. I prayed for them. I gave them a rebuke when they needed it. I taught them when they needed it. I encouraged them when they needed it. I gave them a lift up when they needed it. Well done, son. You did everything I asked you to do. Are they what you're looking for? That's not your business. You do what you, you were supposed to do. I commissioned you to do this. Right, okay. So that your success, your failure, in part, is not my concern. My, my concern is, did I do, will I do what he's asked me to do? Because you, you may sit there, smile, take notes. But then go home and close your book and never read them. So that's one thing. So anyway, let's go carry on. Verse 28. We proclaim him, teaching him, admonishing him with, with wisdom. So that we, we may present everyone in the dream center perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggle with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. Thank God something's working in me. And in, you, and in you. And I want you to know how much I'm struggling. So let's, use, let's put another word next to struggle. It means there's needs there. I'm struggling. And I, I, I'm finding it's hard. I've got some needs here. I don't feel like I've got enough to do the job. Anybody feel like that? Yeah. I don't feel like I've got enough in me, Lord, to do what you're asking or to do what my boss is asking me. To do. He said, but I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you, for you, for you. If you're going to struggle, struggle for the basis of somebody else, making somebody else better. Hello? Yeah. If you're going to struggle this year, why not struggle trying to help someone become better? There's a challenge right there. Let our struggles be for the betterment of other people. My purpose is, oh sorry, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Lady Seal and for all who have not met me personally. So he's not even met this group of people. But he still carries them in his heart. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches. The full riches. Oh, did you see that? You see, some of you may have got nice Christmas presents. Some of you may have got money in a card. But guess what? It wasn't the full riches, was it? It was money in the card. It was just money in the card. It wasn't the full riches. It wasn't the keys to the kingdom. It was money. It was a gift. That's what it was meant to be. It was a gift. Yeah, a token of someone's affection and their thought for you, which is nice. But he says, I want I labor so that you may have the full riches. In other words, he wants you to work from the source of the provision. And have the provision. 
Say, I really want to secure this provision for you. This is, the, this is you know, I kind of catch up after Jonathan David around 10 years. I'm 10 years behind him. 10 years behind him, and I'm just being kind to myself there. Probably a couple of lifetimes. The one thing that Papa has always taught me is this. He says, I have to secure something for the network first in God. I have to secure, in other words, as an apostle for a thousand people, he has to go into God and secure something for his own family. And once he's got the, the wisdom, the revelation, and all that, the provision for the network, he can then feed the family, and then the family can then go back to their families and feed their families. Right? And this is where we're coming to, Phil, Emma, Ange, Carol, where we have to lay hold of our provision for our people. So that your lack is always not overwhelming. So that you can stand in God and say, you know what, when the word comes to us from the guys and the girls, there's provision in the house for our lack and for our need. But somebody's got to supply for you in order to give to you. Now that takes a mature person to receive what I've just said. Because spiritually, it's so easy for you to think, you know what, I go to work, I, I feed myself, I feed my own family. I really don't need half as much as what you say. God bless you. You do, and a lot more. So, Paul was so concerned that he has to supply, he has to lay hold of this in God first, before he can labor to the churches and show them the principle that, you look guys, you're always going to have needs. But supply is the key. But your need is only a doorway for God to speak to you about your lack. Can you see this? We're going to get into this in a minute, don't worry. He says, I want them to have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. Namely Christ, in whom are all, sorry, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, most of your lack comes through knowledge and wisdom. Because with knowledge you can go and do things. With wisdom you know how to go and do things. Yes? How do you get, how does money come? Money comes not just by work, it comes by knowledge and wisdom. The wisdom will tell you how to apply the knowledge. Oh, I'll go and start a business. Where did that inspiration come from? Oh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll invest in co-op shares right now. I think they're on the rise. And all of a sudden, you get a spike, and it goes up, and you make, I don't know how much, depends how much you put on. And all of a sudden, these creative ideas, I'm going to set up, I'm going to set up a fruit and veg on the corner, or a cafe. An inspiration idea comes to you. Where does it come from? Heaven. It's a way God uses, your, God uses your natural talents and your natural giftings to go and create your own supply for your own needs. But then if you're not smart enough, you think, my own hands did this. Well, your own hands were involved. But where did the idea? The idea is worth how much, Phil? The idea is worth everything. Because before the idea, you had nothing. So in Christ... I hidden all the treasures we need for life and godliness. Somebody would agree with that. This means there are keys. 
There are keys we need for unlocking the provision. Keys. This is why the kingdom must be first. Worry is not a key. Hello? Worry is not a key to success. Chasing money, chasing material things is not a key. Do you know what it is? It's a recipe for disaster. But wisdom is a different thing. <coughs> In Christ, all people carry the keys. We all have different keys for different things. Now, can you imagine if we all brought our keys to, on the floor, we put them out, how many doors that could open up, up for us if we all collectively came together? Now, some of those keys, we've, we've discovered the same keys. So we may have discovered, there may be six or seven of us, eight of us, nine of us, ten, more, who's discovered, who's got the key to the same door. But there'll be doors that you don't have a key for, or somebody else has got, and vice versa. Can you imagine, we all brought our keys together. How powerful that would make us as a corporate body. The keys are in here. You just got to collaborate them together. So God gave Paul a key for the church. Through his apostolic message of knowing Christ, and he could open up the mystery of Christ that would present the kingdom and Christ to the people. And out of that mystery, there was keys that could unlock provision. Yes? One of those keys was seek first the kingdom. That's a key. The pagans hadn't, didn't have that key. That's why they were running around in circles. So he's saying, look, see that group over there? Yeah, don't be like them. Well, is that it? Yeah, don't be like him. Right, let me show you a different way. Let me show you a different way. It's going to, bring, it's going to keep you healthy, keep you sane, and keep you focused. It's seek first the kingdom and its righteousness. Didn't say seek the kingdom so that all the things can be added. He said seek first the kingdom and all these things will then come as a result of that. He didn't say, seek the kingdom so you can get all these things. Seek first God. Your heart's got to be to seek God and the kingdom. And then, by the way, the principle is, is as you seek God and make him the first, things begin to turn up. Oh, right. My father-in-law said to me, how can you leave a job that pays this good money and go and work in a church that pays you that money? What about my grandchildren? What about me, Jack? What about me? You're not worried about me? Just your grandchildren. And then later on, I can go to him and say to him, you know, Jack, what, do you remember that conversation? Aye, aye, I remember that conversation right enough, aye. I said, well, I've travelled the world since then, Jack. I'm now fat and flourishing. I says, do I look like a man who's skint? No, 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 fair enough, fair enough. Write them. The God who orders always pays. You don't, he does. So God gave Paul this, this insight to bring to the church what they needed and what they lacked. Paul carried a revelation and mystery that enabled him to live beyond human need. I've just said something there you didn't catch. Paul received a mystery that allowed him to live beyond human need. Beyond. You'll always have needs. The need is not the reason to stop what you're doing. Oh, your need, whatever your need is right now, 
You'll never find a justifiable reason to stop what you're doing because you've got a need. You know, when we decided to open ADT, I said, Lord, we've got no students. Well, thank you for telling me the obvious. So meanwhile, why haven't we started ADT? And I felt justified saying, Lord, I can't start this until you give me students. Was the provision already here? How long have you been here, Veronica? Right, so you've always been here. The provision was already here, was it not? But I'm thinking, there's, there's no provision here, so I can't start. God would say, no, when you're ready, Tony, then we're ready. When you're ready, then we're ready. If you keep working from the point of you have nothing, now that's hard sometimes. Because I'm thinking, okay, Lord, if this is a mystery, you need to share. You need to share where the answer is. Uh, that's a different question, Tony, than saying I can't start because we've got nothing. God is the great master at asking us to do something when there's nothing there. <clears throat> exactly. So then, let's go to Matthew 10. You like the scripture. Matthew 10, 17. Matthew 10, starting at verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, there's a good place to start. As Jesus started on his way, Mark 10, 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. So a man, Mark. Well, he's next to Mark, isn't it? Well, it's close. Did I say Matthew? See, it's the old mind. It's kicking in. Stop it in the name of Jesus. I meant Mark. It was a Paula Matthews. It was a wee Paula Matthews and... Uh, Yep. So Mark, M-A-R-K. As Jesus started on his way in Mark, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now he has a need. He realised that he had a spiritual need for eternal life. So watch how Jesus responds to him. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, he says to him, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I have been a boy. Yeah? Do not give false testimony, do not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a young boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. There's an interesting thing. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Why? Because he saw something in this man's heart. And this is what he said. One thing you lack. He didn't say one thing you need. One thing you lack. One thing you lack. Now... There's one thing you lack at the point of talking to God. Next week, you might lack something else. <clears throat> this is what he said. Go, he said, go sell everything you have to give to the poor. So he's got resources. He's got, resor he's got assets. He's got resources to go and give to somebody else's need. But God is dealing with his lack. God's dealing with his lack through all that he's got. He has a need, yeah? 
All his resources is going to deal with somebody else's lack. He's going to give to the poor. He's going to sell everything and give it away because there's one thing he lacks. And God's going to the source of his lack because money, somewhere money was holding him. Hello? It it makes no sense whatsoever to give your money away without the voice of God behind it. Giving money away is a foolish thing in the natural. Or it appears to be a foolish thing. Because most of the things we give don't really fix a problem. They, fix, they put a plaster over a temporary issue. But to give everything and sell everything, and give it all away, that was not necessarily going to fix the world's problems. But what it was going to do, it was going to fix his lack. So there's always things we've got hold of and attachments we have and there's, there's flaws. And God was dealing through his resources, he was dealing with his lack. Can you see this? Now I'm not going to, now this would be a great opportunity for most preachers now to take up an offering. But I'm not going to do that. Why? Because that's not our need. And that's not the lack and that's not the point. The point is here, I want to show you the principle without taking any money from you. Keep your money in your pocket. I don't need it. I don't want it today. Might need it tomorrow. Today I don't need it. God's not asking for it today. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. He's pointing back to the resource. So even though you get everything, you'll have treasure in heaven, which you can now draw again and bring it down again. So, the, so it's a, a cycle, never stops. Yeah? So you have no money in the bank, but you've got treasure up in heaven. All it is, think of it like this. I've got nothing in this account, but I've got everything in that account. And I can pull it from one account to another account when I learn the keys. Ah, when I let God deal with my lack, it opens up the door to the resource. Your lack is what's holding back the resource in your life, not your need. Can you see this? What you lack. Now, in the first, if you didn't listen to the first message, you want to get the first message because I show you the opposites from need to lack. I show you exactly what that means. So Jesus looked at him, come follow them. So he said, go sell everything to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man fell face, uh, face. So I've got water on my screen there. Um, at this, the man's face fell. I bet it did. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to, to his disciples, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say it was impossible. Now, many scholars believe that this rich man was actually Barnabas. And Barnabas eventually, tells us in Acts, sold everything he had. Sold what, some of the things he had. Now the thing is, is this. Which meant, if it was an if, it's an if. If it was Barnabas, it shows that he was a man 
who picked up the principle ran with it as an if. Allow me some license for a minute. If it was, he picked it up, sowed it, and then reaped it. All because he allowed God to deal with his lack. The wisdom came, the knowledge came, the mystery was unfolded, and he saw, you know, he didn't say, fantastic, brilliant, I'm going to sell everything I've got, I can't wait. He went away sad, which I can believe that, but then he thought about it in privately, and he thought himself, it's the right thing to do. Hmm. So, let's consider the following. Needs, your needs this year in 219 are often dependent upon your perception. Hello? Your needs this year will be dependent upon your perception of what you think you need. And your needs will, will, will be urgent, they'll be real, they'll be exaggerated and fabricated. Yeah? Our perception can be attached or our perceptions are often attached to an emotion. Oh, stay with me now. Don't go to sleep on me. Needs are dependent upon your perception. Your perception is often attached to an emotion. This is how you feel about this. Yeah? An emotion, as we know it, can be over-exaggerated. Y'all gone quiet on me now. <coughs> You know when you listen to the, the Usher, when you watch the X Factor and you see the young kids on it, and the 12 years of age, I've been wanting this all my life. <laughs> 12 years of age, I've been wanting this all my life. <clears throat> Sam and Carl looks at her and say, what? 12 years old, all my life. Oh yeah, this will change my life. Honey, go to school, that will change your life. Listen to your parents, that will change your life. And their perception of that need is often at that moment comes with emotions, tears. You know, they go to the, they go to the big house, don't they, on the, on the Love Island, and uh, where they get told whether they're staying or not, and the tears and the emotions, I just want to slap them. Get a grip, go to work on Monday morning. Yeah, pull yourself together. But anyway, it's called reality TV, an emotional TV, and that's why you all sit there on a Saturday or Sky Plus it to watch it. Well, some of us don't. Some of us do. <clears throat> I've got to give her a little indulgences every now and then. As when, so an emotion, as we know it, can be over-exaggerated. Or an emotion, or the lack of emotion, can actually bring about a lack of action. Yeah? So either way, the emotions are going to determine the perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, don't feel, I don't feel anything about that. Yeah, I'm not bothered. Yeah, I can't be mithered. Yeah, but it's really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't be mithered. And other times, it's really important. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait to watch City beat Liverpool. <laughs> and now Phil texts me all the way through the game, 600 miles away. It's like, it's like having a nagging. It's like having a thorn in the flesh. Text, go and phone all the time. See, your boys are getting a good hammer in. We're winning, Phil. We're winning. My emotion 
did not distort my perception. I was in reality watching us. Anyway, meanwhile, get back on it. If our needs, listen, if our needs are attached to, uh, to our perception, then they must be subject to change. Think about this. If our needs are attached to our perception, then they are subject to change. In other words, how I feel and perceive what a need is in my life may change tomorrow based on how I feel. How do I know that? Oh, let's try a little limbus test. It's called church on a Sunday morning. I need more sleep. So I'll stay in bed. I need more sleep, but you need, you need to get to church and you need to listen to the word and God's really got something to say to you. Yeah, yeah, and that's right now I need more sleep. So the queen of the duvet or the king of the duvet gets more me time. But guess what? That was your, emo- that was your, that was your need based on your emotions at that point in time. Then you get up. Oh, here's another one. Who's ever had a day off work and thought, I'm not going to work today, I can't be my other day. I deserve a rest. So you stay in bed, and around about 11 o'clock, you feel guilty for not going into work. Yeah? So now, the emotion that says, stuff them. I'm staying in bed. I'm the king of the castle in my house. I don't fear my boss. Around about 11 o'clock, morning has broken. Blackbird has spoken, all of a sudden, oh, now I'm going to lose that money. No, 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 now regret and remorse come in. So you know, you didn't need it at, nine, at 6 o'clock when the alarm was going off. Now you need it at 11 o'clock when Blackbird is spoken. Morning, you know the song, yeah. So our perceptions and needs can often be attached to the people, to people, our Perception of our needs can often be attached to the people we do life with. Hey, you need one of them. Hey, you know what I saw the other day? I thought you, you just need it. Exactly. Oh, hi. Oh, I wouldn't that be good, Hans, if you had one of them? <laughs> Phil goes, no, Hans, we don't need one of them. Oh, Phil says, he's not took it. I think it's good. And then that dialogue goes on, and eventually they're going to get it. Hans wins, and Phil goes, oh. See, my emotion tells me, around about nine o'clock in the morning, my emotions kick in, and it says, you need coffee. And my perception says, yeah, you do. <laughs> so me and my body go and get coffee and get toast in the morning, and uh, around about, after I've ate the toast, I don't need any more toast. So my emotions change. But people around me, she might say, oh, sorry, Carol might say to me, you don't need any toast, you're dieting. So I say, well, let's negotiate. Let's have, I'll only have one piece of toast. Can we have brown? Yeah, I'll go whole meal. I won't have any margarine on it. She said, no, let's just not do, can you do the whole meal without any bread and without any toast? No. Our perceptions will always change in our needs. Of our needs. Our perception needs can often be attached to the wrong people. Let's just stay there for a second. People. People are telling us what we need. People are telling your children what they need. You need social media. You need greater broadband speed for them. You need more gigabytes for them. You need, 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 need. We took Harper out last night for her birthday and we said to her, she's got an old phone there that's never been switched on, hasn't she, Nat? And I said to her, you know, let's do the original FaceTime where you put your phone on and we talk. I said, so now I was, I was, I was just joking when I said, hey, let's do that uh, Snapchat. Let's have a quick chat now. Let's have the Facebook. And I was telling her, we want to create a rule in the family where phones 
and not brought welcomed at the table where when the family's together we just dialogue and we do original FaceTime. Now, if you can get that principle into her when she's young, why? Because as soon as she starts going, she starts growing, everyone's going to be telling her what she needs. And then she's going to be coming home to, to Nat and Ben and saying, I need this. And mum's going to say, no, you don't need this. Well, I need this. You all did it with your parents. I need the latest outfit they're all wearing. Who's the autumn all? Everyone is wearing them. <laughs> and your perception of your need is now based on the people you're doing life with. But that's not your need, because then you realise it was just a fad. And then the fashion will change tomorrow, and then your needs have been met, but now you're left behind, and your needs keep changing. No, what you needed was a pair of shoes. Was it true? Did they need a pair of shoes? Yes, but no, you've got to have the high-yield platforms, or you've got to have whatever it is. What is the fashion? So our needs determine are often determined by the people we spend time with. Our needs are often determined by the words people use. Our words, so that our needs are often determined by other people's actions. So if Jonesy's going by the new latest iPhone, we've got to have the latest new iPhone. If the Joneses across the road go and get 20 grand's worth of work done on their house. We've got to go and spend 25 grand on our house. And other people's actions can tell you what you think you need. And other people's actions is going to get you in the same mess they're in. Because behind that new house, that new car, is debt. Because I don't know many people who've got 20 grand just to rock up with and say, yeah, just fix that. Most people's work's a plan out. It's called a plan you can't afford. true you know it's true our perception of our need is linked to our maturity you know what i thought i needed at 18 is not what i now perceive i need at 57 my needs are very simple now at 57 do you know if you'd have asked me 18 what i want for christmas i'd have give you a list as long as my arm now at 57 what do you need i don't need anything why life's changed We've got, we've got access to better things. We've got access to more money, maybe. Uh, and I'm more content these days. I don't need the Range Rover anymore. <laughs> I don't need the mansion anymore. I'll let them go. Because I knew Ben would want it. <laughs> your needs change according to your years of age. Now, you know, Carol doesn't need a miniskirt. <laughs> no, I needed her to have a miniskirt when I was chasing her. The point is, our needs change. You can't still dress and live like you're a teenager. Because things have changed. And so age changes our perception of what we think we need. Meanwhile, the kingdom is screaming, seek first. Seek first. In all this transition that you're going through, the needs of the kingdom are still crying out. But you're going through... Life, puberty, with your psychological emotions attached up and down, up and down, in and out, surrounded, being influenced by everyone and everything based on what you think you need and then think you are done to because you don't have it. And then here's the crazy thing, you think you're impoverished because you don't have what others have. If I drive through Gatley, not Gatley, where's the, um, Alderley Edge, 
And I see those million pound houses. I could sit there and cry and say, how come I don't have one of them? Well, then there's another side. You can have one of them if you have the money. Well, so I can have one of them. But I don't need one of them. No, I'm not decrying anyone who's got one of them. I'm saying I can't judge what other people's got and then let that reflect back on me and say, I, I need one of them. I don't have one of them. I don't really need one of those houses. Maybe that's why I'm not a faith preacher. So, let me give you a quick illustration. We're out of here. You might need one of these throughout this year. <laughs> well, that looks like a question, doesn't it? Looks like a question. You might need one of these sometime this year because you're going to need bailing out. You're going to need bailing out somewhere. There's going to be a breakdown somewhere in your spiritual life where you're caught in this whole issue of provision, need, and lack. Right? And perception is what's going to bail you out or bury you under. Right? Yeah, this is the level of Phil's faith. <laughs> yellow. Yellow, man, that's all you are, yellow. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. See, I drive an old car just to keep everybody else humble. <laughs> and myself. I'm secretly I'm a millionaire, really. So... As you see, this is built for tension. This is built for tension. So God says, you know, we, we all have one of these in our lives, these uh, tow ropes. In our faith, we have one of these. From time to time, we have one. You ever, ever use one? Anybody ever hook you out, yeah. grabbed hold of something and pulled you out the mire? I do it with him all the time. No, just one way. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I've got it in the middle. But if I'm a smart person, I can give it to Phil and I'll hold this end. Now that now tells me that he's the source of helping me out of my trouble to my need. No, but he's not the source. He may be a present help in times of need. Yeah? But he's not the source. So there's nothing wrong with using a friend. But he's not the source. Right? Too many of us look this way. Instead of looking that way. Oh, it's my mother. My mother always bails me out. Well, stop looking for your mother to bail you out and start looking to the kingdom. Well, it's easy to go to my mother. Yes, it is. And one day your mother won't be there. God supplied a mother, richly gave you a mother. Wonderful. But she's not the source. Your heavenly father is your source. So give me that back a minute, Phil. So, stand up a minute, fella. Let me use you again. It's all incumbent upon us all to make sure we hook this to the right source. Right? Now, he's now Father God. 
So I'll lasso it. I get my rope, and I've got this end. Just give me back in a second. I've got this rope, and I decide now what I'm going to do with this. I have lack. I have need. Now, I'm going to decide where I'm going to hook it onto. Right? Remember, I've got all these different perceptions. I've got these words. I've got these voices. I've got people. I've got crowds. I've got peer pressure. I've got all these things crying, shouting at me about what, I, what they're telling me what I think I need. Yeah? But I'm going to say, right, I'm going, I'm going to look to the rock which is higher than I. And I'm going to lasso. I'm going to, and I throw it to Phil. And now, Father God's got hold of it. Now, here's the fundamental difference of need and lack. Here's how so many of us operate and treat God. He's God. I'm his child. So, if you're God, it's your job to supply all my needs. Now, the trouble is, my perception of my needs is what's the problem. True? So the problem's always this end. Never that end. Right. So if I keep seeing, it's your job to provide me with all my needs. Right? Now, did God say he would provide for us as a father? Yes. But if I think all I have to do is because I'm a Christian now and I connect to him and I expect him to pull, come here Phil, pull him into my world. I just keep pulling God into my world, right? So that basically I pull the needs out of heaven into my life. I never benefit. Go back a minute, Phil. Now, here's what some of you stop. Now, all of a sudden, feel the tension there. God, why aren't you meeting my needs? God, why aren't you meeting my needs? So I put a bit more in, effort in it. God, you told me you'll meet all my needs. And, it, and I can still live like a scuffer? No. But I keep blackmailing God. Well, if you don't meet my needs, I'm leaving. So I've cashed out, as he used. In play, I cashed out. Right? So God says, it's okay. It's okay. I'm still holding my end of the bargain. And by the way, the reason why I didn't run to you in your little tantrum is because I work by principles. Remember the ADT students? Principles. And I work by... And I work by, I don't work by emotions, right? So I'm back over here. Now, here's the thing. I try to draw, Phil, over there, come over here a minute. I try to fill, draw everything that's in Phil, but I don't want Phil. I just want what's inside Phil. Yeah? And I just try and pull everything out of God and wonder why this relationship of ours is not working. Because every time I try to draw on the provision, I don't want the person. That's like a man who uses his wife for sexual pleasure without ever loving the person. Or a woman who gets everything from her husband, she buys him everything, or she she buys her everything, but she never wants him. So go back in and get Phil. So if I'm connected, now here's, I've got need, but God sees my lack. So Phil, I begin to seek God, pull me slowly in. As he begins to pull me, I willingly go nearer and nearer and nearer. And God gently pulls me into himself. Why? To reveal his heart. 
so I can see the person. And when I see the person, I begin to see what I really lack in his light. And when I begin to see what I lack, I begin to bow down and say, Father, help me in this area. Show me, Lord. Teach me. Touch me in this area, Lord. Adjust me in this area. Because now we're dealing with the source of the need, which is really the lack that's inside of you. Your need was not your need. Your need was actually what you lacked. Because the provision was always there. But God uses the need to show you what you lack. Can you see this? The question is, what are you going to do with this? You've got the middle. It's up to you to decide what you're going to throw it round. Are you going to throw it on the lottery? Hundred was it 150 million? 15? Woo! Woo! What could I do with the 115 million? Well, what do you do with one pound fifty? Do you know what you do with it? You keep it in your pocket and don't give it to anyone. That's what you'll do with 115 million. Well, the things, you know, if I had 115 million, I'd give it to God. Don't go down that road because you're lying. You know, God shouts to you, roll over. So what are you going to do with this? Where are you going to throw it? What are you going to let it connect to? Yeah? So I can either throw it to John, and if I throw it to John, what happens is he gets the end. Now, that's our point. That's our fixed point. He's called the Christ. Now, come to me again. Let's use the same illustration. John, pull me towards you. So when he now pulls me to me and step into me, it's now Christ in me who is the hope of glory. And now I have access to this provision on a mobile level. Amen? Amen. Thank you, John. So, oops. Let's stand to our feet, if we will. There's a lot more I could say. Next week, I'll show you how God puts a thorn in your flesh. God's going to deal with your need and your lack. God, we all need a thorn. And it's not your husband. And it's not your wife. Only in God's presence will you ever hear things that you really need to hear. Only in God's presence. Because in reality with the greatest respect to your partners and to your friends and those you build a relationship with, there's only ever one person who will never lie, fabricate or exaggerate. God knows exactly what you need and he knows exactly what you lack. So I guess the challenge to us this morning is to at least to ask you to consider, consider, which one do you think is greater right now in your present today? What day is it today? The 6th? 6th. On the 6th of January, what do you perceive to be the greater in your life? Is it your need or is it your lack? 
Is it your need or your lack? Now, that's a mature question. And that's one I want you to go away and think about because if you, always ever, if you only ever approach God based on your needs, you'll never open for God to speak to you about what you really lack. Now, here's the problem with most relationships, most Christian relationships. They only ever want God to be involved in their life at the need level, but they never want God to deal with them at the lack, the area of their lack. Because remember what I said to you, God gives people to deal with the need and the lack in people's lives. If I can go straight to God and bypass the pastor or the team or whoever that, whoever that pastor and that team is, by the way, it's not, we're not just referring to us, then most people think, well, I don't need these people. I can just go straight to God, but that's not true. Because very often God shows the pastors and the team, people around you, what the area of lack really is in the midst of your need. And if we never allow people to speak to our lives and into our lives, we'll only ever deal with need. And the truth is, if you can make this journey in your life, it's a game changer. It really is. Because your perception of what you think is wrong is the problem. Your perception of what you think is needed is the problem. Your perception of what you think your partner lacks is your problem because it's your perception. It doesn't necessarily mean to say it's right. Does that mean, make sense? So this year, if the more we can go before God and the more we can say, Lord, I have a need, but Lord, show me what I lack. Show me what I really lack, Lord. If I can really go before the Father at that level... Guess what? You're going to have more breakthroughs. Because God's going to, always going to be able to deal with you at the cellular level. Yeah? yeah. yeah? yeah. I need more students for the year 1920. Some of you are already in here. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, 19. Yeah, we're going to start 19, going into 20. The next year. You've got to think of your football seasons, darling. Are you not moving on? Okay, you're staying. But listen, I can't, I can't move. I can't keep petitioning God based on need. I've got to start saying, God, what do I lack? Is it, do, do I lack the perception? Do I lack perception of what this need really is? There's a good place to start. Some of you have been trying to get into careers and you can't get in. You've got to start asking yourself, Lord, what is my perception of this? Is it right? Is it your perception? Show me, Lord. Lead me. God's going to let you knock on a few doors until, the, until you start eventually asking the right question. Yeah. The right question is what prompts God to respond. So the best thing, the right question is, here I am, O Lord. Here I am. Speak to me, O God. So I'm bringing you to the water's edge. And uh, this is where we're going. In this season. Amen. I'll keep talking to you about it until I feel we broke through in it. And uh, I love it when God speaks like this. Because this truly is a wis- is the wisdom message. It's really coming at it a completely different way. You can use this for in any level of society you want. 
Our society has needs, but it has perception of its needs. But what our society really has is lack. I tell you what it lacks, it lacks fathers. It lacks morals, it lacks so many things. And what the, the society tells it needs, nobody wants to talk about the lacks because the lacks means we have to do away with some political correctness. So meanwhile, we have to address it in the best ways we can, with the best sensitivity. That's why we need knowledge and wisdom. Amen? So just raise your hands if you will and say, Father, in your own heart, just pray this prayer. You don't have to pray it aloud. Pray it. You're not praying it. You're not, I'm not asking you to repeat it. I'm asking you to think about it and pray it in your own time. Father, I'm not going to be so driven by my needs this year. I'm going to come at it from a different, intelligent, wise angle that I've never perceived before. Thank you, Father, for showing me a key here that often the key to my need is actually found in me acknowledging what I lack. Because once I deal with the lack, it is the key to releasing what I actually need. So, Father, show me this year. Be merciful, be patient. And show me, or guide me. Guide me, O God, by your right hand. Teach me what I lack. Just as the man who had all the money, he'd kept the law. He was a religious man who had kept, he'd been to church. He'd love you, O God, the best way he could. But the one thing he lacked was the one thing he dealt with. And the moment he dealt with his lack... You dealt with his need. So, Father, let me become the wise man this year. Let me become a wise man. Deal with me at the root, at the source. In Jesus' name. I invite you in, O oh God, to take control. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.